Welcome everybody to episode 67 of Dork Tunes. And this week we are, well, I am chatting to, I always keep doing that, we, I don't know why. Um, but this week we are chatting to, I'll let him introduce himself. Uh, I am John Everest. I am a composer for video games and film. Uh, did scores for games like Battletech and Shadowrun and disintegration and uh yeah from seattle washington happy to be here so you're officially a seattleite seattleite through and through born and raised <laughs> like ben de la creme <laughs> um so john you had quite an interesting start am i correct into yeah i think computer game or video games composing yeah I mean, I think I think uh, my my composition teacher told me uh, something similar that you know the I think music I think especially when you're first starting out you you always like have this idea of where you're going to be with music in your life, mm -hmm. but really that I think the pursuit of music is often you know it's 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 very cliche but it's it's like you know the journey is is the pursuit of music not the destination, so to speak. So like for me, I, I, I think like most composers or many composers, I started out um, just really believing that composing for film or, or games or working with orchestras was just like off the table for me. I had no idea it was even a possibility. Um, and maybe the nature of my my upbringing and that, um, you know, I, I think my mom didn't believe that there was I was, would be able to make a living doing music. So maybe dissuaded me from doing that, but I was always making music as a kid. I was always tinkering at the piano and recording stuff. Um, got really into electronic music when I was pretty young and, and like producing hip hop and stuff. Um, so that was really what I did like as a side hustle. I was kind of like, you know, in, in bands and doing like a little bit of touring and recording and stuff but I never thought that I would be able to do music full-time as, as a career. Um, so, you know, I'd always been obsessed with video games, video game music, film scores, obviously just adored them. Um, but since I didn't have that classical training as a young kid, I just was, I felt kind of blocked off by that side of, of the equation. Um, but, I think as, as happens in, in most people's lives, you have those mo one moment where you kind of wake up and you're like, okay, like either I can try to do this full time and fail, or I can never try. And, um, and then, you know, always ask that question of like, what if I had tried, right? So when I was, I think I was 20, you know, in my mid twenties, I'm 30, 36 now. So about, 10 years ago, which sounds crazy, I decided to um, kind of go all in and uh, go back to school for, for, uh, for music and um, specifically to a program that was geared towards composition and, and writing music for video games. Um, so just randomly, I'd, I'd, a friend had told me this new program opened up um, at a school called DigiPen local school in in the seattle area and they're primarily game development but they had this like music program opened up and i was like man i'm just gonna 
you know, yeah. quit my job, sell, sell my retirement uh, contributions and, you know, go for broke. <laughs> so I did that and, um, you know, met a lot of really cool people. I got to work on really cool student games. I, I, the composition teacher I had was incredible. Uh, a Juilliard guy who really kind of like, um, uh, took away my fear of approaching music from a classical side. Um, and, and like, I kind of saw that like, you're ne you're never too old to, to learn, um, you know, that side of, of music and it really like unlocked it for me. And I kind of realized I could speak the language. Uh, uh, I just maybe couldn't write it or I, I couldn't, you know, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't, um, well-versed in, in like the, the technical side of it. Um, but that was, you know, that was the easiest part was really lear learning the technical side, the, the, I mean, finding your voice and, and, and the voice of music is something that is, I think, a lot more difficult to learn. And I'd like been lucky to be making music for so long that it felt mm -hmm. a little more natural. And then um, when you think about it, you're fast forwarding to today and you've just, finished uh work on uh, mike bittles uh solitaire conspiracy mm -hmm. crazy and i remember in school uh i think that was first year of school i i went thomas was alone had just come out and i, oh, I mean yeah. everyone everyone at school was freaking out about it yeah and i i too was as well and you know it was that era of like you know the indie the indie scene was really doing awesome stuff and I, I mean that was what propelled me into wanting to pursue uh this this path in general was you know i i loved video games i loved film score but it just it felt too big for me and i felt like okay well this indie scene you're allowed to kind of do interesting you know electronic takes on stuff and and um you know you can take take a little more risks with the the music side you don't always have to lean into the orchestral side so to speak um so that was compelling to me yeah and, and so yeah working with mike is a very trippy thing i think any gig that i get is very trippy i mean battletech was i one of the first games i ever played was mech warrior on pc and so doing the battletech game i was just like what the hell is going on what's that how did battletech kind of happen well battletech was like you know it was that with harebrained schemes it was just another lucky series of events where um, mm. i had worked at and um she ended up uh dropping out of school early because it was ridiculously expensive um i actually had to drop out of school also in my second year because of how outrageously uh, expensive it was but she ended up getting a gig at Harebrained Schemes when they were working on Shadowrun, the Shadowrun series, bringing that series kind of back up. And I think just in some random meeting about looking for music for a trailer or something, she was like, oh, I know this guy from school who who seems like he could do a, a good job for probably pretty cheap um, and introduced me to the studio head Mitch Gittleman, who is like my adopted dad now. <laughs> and um, uh, that just started that relationship. So I just kept 
they kept kind of asking me back, you know, and so I got the opportunity to do Shadow Run, and that set the spur for the rest for BattleTech as well. So, um, how do you find working? B, can you hear me okay? I, yeah. I'm getting a little bit of a delay. A little bit, but we're okay. Um, have you found working okay. with games? Like, how okay, do you, cool. you approach them differently when you come to compose for them? For video games versus for like film? No, I mean the different games like BattleTech and then. Oh. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 there's definitely different approaches, so to speak, but I think like the core of it for me stays pretty similar in that I'm sort of like, I feel like my job is to just um, kind of leech off the vibe that I'm getting from the writers and the artists. Mm -hmm. So, you know, being in a room about the game and the lore and um, seeing concept art and just like hearing, hearing their emotional response to what they're doing is super inspiring for me as a composer because, you know, I think for composers, we're just, we're, we're empathy peddlers or whatever. We're, we're trying to, to evoke empathy in other people. So, I really you like know, that, actually empathy peddlers. <laughs> yeah. I was yeah. Here, many, many years ago that I, I went for an interview for a job and apparently that he interviewed the person who interviewed 10 people and he said, you, i.e. me, did the best job interview by far he says but he couldn't offer me the job because i had too much empathy <laughs> that's a sign where you need to run for the hills i mean yeah, <clears throat> yeah i i think we're, composing is is a good career for empathetic people um you know which is it's always surprising to me to to hear you know stories of composers who maybe lack empathy but um you know i i think that um, it's our job to, I mean, you're in, in most cases, you're, you're the caretaker of, of, um, a, a whole group of people's dream. You know, you're, you're trying to, you're trying to take this thing that they've, you know, been thinking about for sometimes decades or more. And, um, and, and I think it's, you have to be really careful with that and respect, the characters and respect the writing and and um, in a lot of ways it's it's you know getting you're you're getting yourself out of the way as much as possible and and um, hoping to you know shine the light brighter on on their dream and kind of show I mean in a way maybe to show show them uh, a different light uh, a, a different way of looking at it so to speak. Um, which is always a tricky part, but fun, very fun. Yeah, and how has that been for like the Solitaire Conspiracy? Because I mean, Mike is such an amazing guy. He's so smart. He's so clued on. He's so clued in. You know, he's just such a really lovely all-round guy. You know, it's it's. I I look at his Twitter mm -hmm. subs and think, how can somebody like he's younger than me? I think I believe I'm 41, um, and he's just so switched on it's incredible mm -hmm. he is and he's he's the dream client right because he um he has so much respect for 
experts that he hires also. Um, and he, he has a vision, but he also understands he's helping put these pieces together. He's not trying to manufacture the whole thing. He's really being a facilitator. And we were, Mike and I were talking the other day about this of, you know, how I view composing, I view it more, I view it almost like, um, you know, it's, it's more of a craft, right? We're craft people rather than artists. And I don't think there's really, you don't separate the artist from the craft person in, in my view, it's, it's all art, but, you know, we're trying to just make something work. We're, we're doing what we can to make something work and um, being open to being wrong, being open to being uh, vulnerable and being open to letting somebody else carry the torch a little bit, I think helps, usually helps the product as a whole. And so I think what Mike does really well is he always says, you know, oh, I, I know nothing about music. I'm, I, I, you know, I, I'm not good at giving feedback. And then he gives the best feedback yeah. ever, right? And it's like really well informed. David Houston, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. So um, yeah, he's, he's, he's very, his knowledge of games, of film, of music is very deep. And, uh, and he's the type of person that, you dream of working with because he allows you and Mitch Gittleman is like this too. He allows you to be, to make choices um, that maybe they wouldn't have thought of, but he's also extremely good at course correcting and, um, you know, narrowing you down to a path uh, without, you know, hitting you over the head with a hammer about it, which is awesome. I'll give you a fun fact sort of connected to Mike. Um, David Houston uh, was kind enough to appear at EGX with me, um, Eurogamer Expo. Um, I did a panel there. Uh, I've done three now. That was my first one in 2018, no, 19, beginning of 2019. And um, <clears throat> the day after, David was nominated for an Ivor Novello. Wow. <laughs> Epic. <laughs> Maybe if you're in the UK at some time, you know, and, and, and EGX is on, we can get you on the stage as well. Oh my gosh. I miss doing things like the panels. Um, we did one uh, in October. It was me, Nanita Desai, and Joe from the flight. Mm. And it was all done via, um, via Zoom. And that was, it was good. It was fun, but it was strange, you know, because. I'm Very used strange. to standing at the lectern and I'm used to kind of standing and seeing the crowd and, you know, getting the feedback from them. I, I'll never forget the first one because I was terrified. I came down to London um, the night before and stayed with some friends. And then he brought me to the venue because I don't know London. And, you know, you get on this tram and you get off this one and you go on this underground. And I was like, uh. so found my way there. I actually followed somebody um, who I follow now on Twitter um, from the train station to the to the venue because I was like, he looks like he's going to this. So <laughs> I just followed him and I said, I'm really sorry, I'm not following you, but I am following you. And he was like, I'll oh, just come with me. So um, we got there and I, I got there quite early. <clears throat> so I went and got something to eat. And then um, 
I found the venue, I found my room, spoke to the people. I was terrified. I was absolutely terrified because I thought, what if nobody turns up except for my friends and the panel? Mm. You know, there'd be like 15 of us in the room. So, <laughs> like, oh. so it turned out that um, it was so busy that they had like, it was too deep at the sides on both sides and it was like mm. three or four deep at the back and all the chairs were full and they had to close the door and not let people in. And I foolishly left my phone on and it was on the lectern so I could see the time. And I kept getting messages through going, I can't get in, I can't get in, I can't get in. I was like, um. I can't reply. <laughs> <laughs> I always remember standing and looking at the time and you, you have a 45 minute slot. And I thought, got to about 10 past and I thought, oh God. I've got another 35 minutes to fill. This is, I'm, <laughs> oh my God. But then it went in a flash, you know? Yeah. Um, and I definitely will definitely be doing more in the future. And um, maybe more beyond the pond as well when we're alone. Yeah. Panels are fun. I, I miss, uh, I've had similar experiences. I've had, I've done panels where nobody, nobody has actually showed up, which is always fun. Um, and then, you know, panels where, like you said, I did one at uh, Game Sound Con, which, which is in LA every year, which is just actually quite fun. And it was me and three other people and we had practiced, um, practiced quite a bit. We had it pretty down, mm -hmm. but then game time comes and I'm the last to go and everyone goes, you know, about 10 minutes long. So I had a 20 minutes to do a 45, five minute speech. <laughs> and just I was just firing firing yeah. firing and McLean who is uh Deemer who is one of the other panelists he was like man that was like Indiana Jones rolling out of the cave and grabbing his hat <laughs> I was just like boom 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 change the slide 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 <laughs> <laughs> so how have you found yeah I'm, I miss those a lot I yeah. miss I miss I never thought I would say that because I'm a very like um socially anxious person and crowds and stuff and I've always, I loved hanging out with friends at GDC and, and, um, and PAX and stuff like that. But I've always like, it's like dread mixed with glee. And now that, you know, we can't have them, I'm like, oh my gosh, I've missed them so much. Just going and hanging out and checking out all the games and talking to like, friends. Yeah. I miss my friends at the minute and particularly miss my family. Cause they're like, I'm in the UK and they're back in Ireland. Um, uh, yeah, and my mum, she had a, an accident before Christmas, so she's just at a hospital. She broke her hip and her pelvis, so. Oh, gosh. Yeah, so. So sorry, man. Don't do that again. <laughs> yeah, gosh. She's complaining now because she um, can't do everything as quickly as she used to be able to. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, you're in a wheelchair. You're just going to have to chill. <laughs> gosh. <laughs> she's taking on the chin. She's doing really well. So, yeah. Well, how has the kind of pandemic affected or has it affected the way that you work? Um, Frequency of your work? It, it hasn't affected, um, it hasn't affected it that much. So I feel, it feels so, I mean, yeah. I joke with my mom about 
you know, when I first decided to mortgage my life and pursue music full time, she the first thing she would say is like, what are you going to do about health insurance? What are you going to do about, you know, and to to be like, mom, aren't you glad I'm a composer now? Because, you know, I'm, <laughs> video games are doing great. Video game, I mean, some video games are obviously not, um, you know, it's not it's not not affected at all. But video games is extremely lucky to be relatively unscathed compared to the film world and and all other aspects of life so strangely not not much has changed still still very busy and um and uh all the studios that i work with are are adapting to work from home Mm -hmm. um you know video games are already miraculous do that (laughs) yeah video games are already miraculous to me um and doing it from home and like you know it just i'm i'm amazed that it's possible but you know everything that i'm working on is coming along well and people are putting out really cool stuff so even even some short films and stuff are are Mm -hmm. still being worked on which is which is cool Um, i think the over here that i saw something recently where um they, they they showed like the, the, the biggest failures of the of last year in the cinema and <coughs> excuse me one film um do you know how much it made seven pounds oh god i think i read about that what move what film was it it was a, a ream it, it was the, like a the kind of redone um drive is it drive uh or one of the or crash crash Crash. Yeah, seven pounds. That, that's the one person going to see it. <laughs> yeah, gosh, not good. So I think it's, not good. it's quite good, like even through the pandemic that uh, game studios are working from home, you know, and they're able to do that. And from all of the people that I've spoke to that are composers, it hasn't really affected what they're doing because you're kind of used to doing it in your own little space anyway. You know, maybe it's kind of prolonged, it's prolonged kind of um, not being able to record something or you're recording it differently, yeah. you know. Um, <clears throat> certainly no going to air studios and having a big, you know, thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, I think the main thing is, I think I, w- I was lucky in most of my projects were, either had just finished or were just kind of ramping had been ramping up Mm -hmm. so for disintegration we got really lucky Mm -hmm. that we were able to record in budapest in we did that in january of 2020 so it was just a few months before things started getting crazy um but yeah that i think that's the main thing is um the ensemble recording but that's you know that's starting to come back people are starting to um find ways to yeah, it's, so, it's really clever socially distance yeah you know, i've been seeing it it's really really clever you know yeah but, so uh, hopefully we'll be more normal by uh, by the towards the latter half of this year um yeah. hoping to come and record it in london later this year fingers crossed i'm just at the moment for me the things that keep kind of keep me kind of going are I'll be able to see my family, you know, at some point in the very near future. Um, I'll have the vaccine and um, see my friends again and, you know, going on holiday. Gotcha. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's strange. You know, like you, I work from home now. Um, and I seriously, um, I changed um, career during the pandemic. I started a new job back in November and it was nice because I'm a key worker. I have to go into an office. Um, but then they yeah. were like, no, everybody home. So we're now all working from home, but I can't wait to go back to an office. <laughs> Sense. Yeah. Seeing all my friends, I mean, I, I, being able to bounce off them. I always, you know, I, I always joke like, oh, I, you know, I didn't become a composer because I like music. I became a composer because I liked solitude. Um, but now that I don't have a choice, it kind of ruins the whole thing. Like, you know, yeah. I, I only, I only liked being a hermit because it, it was, was my choice. choice. But, yeah. <laughs> now that it's not my choice, I'm like, get me out of here. <laughs> so um, you're working at the moment, correct? Am I correct? Yeah. Obviously we know NDAs, nobody can speak about anything. So um, do you think it will be long before you're going to be able to speak about your next project? Um, I think th there's a few right now. There's two right now that we'll probably be able to talk about in the next four or five months. Okay. And then some, some, some that are probably a little, little further along. So maybe next year, but exciting stuff. Very exciting. Feel very I lucky. Smile on your face. <laughs> yeah. I mean, gosh, I know I, I, I just want to talk about it with people, but um, yeah. It's another handful of stuff that every day I'm just like, wow, I cannot believe that this is real and that someone's trust that I can actually pull this off. <laughs> <laughs> well, just want to say thank you ever so much for taking the time to speak with us. See, there I do it again. We, us. <laughs> I'm we, I'm we, us all the time too. I, I, I think there's, there's some selflessness to that, to it, I think, because, you yeah. know, it takes a village. <laughs> Even if the village is in our mind. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, thank you anyway. It was awesome. With everything. Okay. Um, we will hopefully speak with you again soon. All right. Cheers, well, Pete. Take it easy.